When I wears my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance upon mine enemies and I will repay those who hate me. O Lord, raise me to thy right hand and count me among thy saints. Welcome back to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. This is episode 120. I'm your host, Miguel. Today, we're going to listen to an interview that took place in 1984. The interviewer is G. Edward Griffin, and he's the author of the book Creature from Jekyll Island, which is about the formation of the Federal Reserve Bank. So if you don't know what that's about, then you need to go check that out. And I actually have a couple of episodes on that. A real good one is James Corbett, and I think it's called Money Masters or something like that. It's a tremendously accurate and educating uh, video that he has out there on YouTube. And support James Corbett. He's awesome. So the interviewer is G. Edward Griffin, and the person being interviewed is a former KGB agent by the name of Yuri Bezmanov. He defected from the Soviet Union and, and came to live in Canada and adopted, you know, the, the Canadian ways and the Western ways and, you know, really enjoyed his life of freedom here and everything like that. And he, if anybody could tell us about what socialism, Marxism, Leninism is about, he can. All right, he lived there. And there's a reason why he left. And he was living and he was part of the KGB. He was the privileged few, you know, he was eating steak and lobster, but he couldn't take it anymore. Because of what he saw. You'll hear some of it in the interview. In addition to that, there's actually a longer interview, which I think goes an hour and 20 minutes. I'm, I'll probably put the link in the description of this same interview, actually. So he's out there. It's a Yuri, Y-U-R-I, and B-E-Z-M-E-N-O-V. Yuri Bezmanov. So we're going to listen to that. Now, before we hop into that, I just want to outline uh, a couple of things and a few things that I kind of heard uh, and triggered into me as I listened to the interview and became, not triggered into me, became aware of it and got illuminated within my thought process. But understand one thing, this interview took place before the advent of the internet, right? So you're going to hear him say a few things here where he's like, oh, it takes 15 years to subvert a society and demoralize them and you know once that's done if you want to reverse it it's going to take 15 years to reverse it back understand this is before the internet and these types of awakenings these types of awakenings happen instantly on the internet because part of the big problem taking place right now with the controlling class and why they're trying to shut down social media and control it when you go into youtube all you see is cnn Fox News and ABC News, the reason is because young people today have 24-7 access to anything that they want to see on the internet and on social media. And what's happening is you cannot suppress the truth because eventually it's going to it's gonna become manifest and it's going to be out there. And all it takes is a spark where you get a couple of people, especially a couple of young people, waking up and illuminating waking up the rest. For a while, I've been on Instagram now, I'm going to say like six months probably, and there was really, it's pictures and stuff, I mean, if I want to, you know, see pictures of Paris or something like that, it's really, really cool for that, you know, cute dogs, but what initially what I was seeing a lot on Instagram was how 
you know, what a luxurious life people had and the vacations they went on and all of this money they had and everything like that. And that quickly, quickly flipped over into people wanting to be rich, wanting to have money, doing this whole manifest attraction thing. And you'll see it just oozing all over. And there's nothing wrong with positive thinking and and saying, you know, today I'm going to be a millionaire and these affirmations. I mean, that's cool, but you shouldn't have to have anybody tell you that. That's something you should already know within you. Or you hear a couple of those affirmations, great, it's a great idea, great concept, and you follow up on it. But it's like people It's like people are doing it for the sake of competing with one another to see who has the best affirmations and they ain't doing shit to improve their life. Now, the reason I'm getting into that is I'm seeing a change right now on Instagram and this change has been taking place over the past couple of months. And it's, it's growing really exponentially. And what that is are, are, are people that are consciously posting uh, information and videos and such on uh, Instagram and on social media where they're becoming aware of what's happening. This socialist, Marxist, Leninist attempt to take over the country with all of the safe space, gender, pronoun, just ridiculousness. So... Yuri gets into a lot of that in, in this, I think it's a 14 minute interview, but the actual interview itself, like I said, is about an hour and 20 minutes. So I'm going to put a, I will put a link in the description so that you can listen to it in its entirety. This is a particularly, um, gripping one because, um, you know, it's in 1984. So I diverted off now back to my point, young people, when they get on that social media, this idea spreads in an instant, right? And you get a young mind that hasn't been overly, yes, to some degree, they've been indoctrinated and trained and everything like that, but they still have that vigor and that youth of life and that that drive to do well and, 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 and to make something of themselves, which God has put in us all, you know, to do well and, 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 you know, to produce for the family, for loved ones and for your culture and for your society and for your own national pride, because we all really need to have pride of our own nation. It's an extension of our family. So... They're, they're waking up, man. The hundredth monkey is waking up and now it's, it's, uh, they can't put the genie back in the bottle, you know, socialism. You know, I, I thought this phrase yesterday, but it's very true. Socialism slash communism is the spear tip of world domination and one world government. What happens is once these people get into power, they oppress everyone around, you know, the general population so that just a very few chosen people can live lives of royalty. And along with this comes a tremendous amount of death and destruction because like I said, if I'm not mistaken, in that Bolshevik revolution up through, I think into like the 60s, early 60s, not including China, I think just in the Soviet Union, 90 million lives perished some of them were in world war to a couple of million but for the most part these, these people were starved to death sent to the gulags to work themselves to death and then let's include china i believe it's another 50 million and who they don't really know the number in china because mao was just satan incarnate you know what i mean and that that's what these people do they they, they perpetuate this illusion of being big daddy government and they're going to take care of you and you know you college kids you, you have that college debt well guess what we're going to absolve it. We're going to scratch it off. Let's look at this real carefully. Right now, if you have student loan and it's, you know, $50,000, if it's $10 student loan and you claim bankruptcy, you still got to pay the government. And it's the only thing that stands up in that chapter 11 or chapter 13 bankruptcy is that you cannot 
get rid of that. You can't absolve. You, you, you have to own that debt and you have to repay that loan for that student loan. So now they're coming along and saying, you know, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, is coming along and saying, hey, you know what, we're, you know, you don't have to pay. And all of the, you don't, we're, we're going to write off your student loan. And all of these uh, kids like, you know, oh, I'm voting for her because I don't want student, you know, I want to absolve my student loan so that I can just have a life and everything like that. But it's all bullshit because where's it all going to come from? The plan right now, and Trump actually said it, is to devalue the dollar. And everybody has a race to devalue the dollar um, in order to make it easy to pay off your debts. So I hope I'm not losing some of you on this because I'm going kind of in different directions, economic, social, psychological. And, it, you know, I, I go kind of deep and I'm, I'm under the assumption that most of my listeners kind of grasping, and I don't mean to belittle you in any way. I'm just, you know, I'm just putting it out there because I want my message to come across. So whatever bits of what you understand, what I'm saying is great, but why don't you rewind this and go back to the points that you don't understand and kind of YouTube it or go into that bit shoot, I think it's called now, or DuckDuckGo, do the search and then look at the videos, you know, click on the video tab to see the videos associated with these different topics I'm bringing up. I get a lot of feedback too. It seems like people like when I cover different subjects and integrate them together because it really does give you that 360 degree view of what's taking place instead of looking at a situation from a single lens, all right? You need you need to really get the broadest view and the broadest understanding of whatever subject matter you're getting into. So, this Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, right? She's out here She's saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to pay your student loan. Everybody's going to get, you know, we're going to drop helicopter money in the sky. What's the, the new one? Um, universal basic income, right? I was watching the, I wasn't watching the debates. I was watching YouTube and they were, I think it was SGT report, uh, Sean on SGT reported just tremendous work. It, there was a clip of, I think the first or second democratic debate recently, couple of months ago and the questioner the 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 person hosting this event i forget who it was what it doesn't really matter said um and there were like 10 different candidates up there he said everyone who's in favor of medical coverage medical care universal care for immigrants illegal documented immigrants coming into the country put your hand up and they all kind of looked at one another and all put their hand up like a bunch of idiots because they all want to out bid the other one as far as what they're going to put out there. Now, how the hell, Who's first of all, who's going to pay for that? And second of all, how can you, that's why you're paying so much into your medical, those of you who are working. Got no problem paying for the widows, the orphans. I grew up an orphan with, with you know, my mother, you know, was widowed and everything like that at a young age. And we came up really, really hard, man. And you know what? I'm so grateful for everything that the government gave me. And now I really want to give back. And not that I, I don't really have much of shit anyway. I'm a working class dude. But, you know, I pay my taxes and, and I would really prefer my taxes to go to help people than to fuel war, right? Wars of conquest. But there's a line because how, it sounds great on paper, all of these different things, but we got to worry about the hungry children. Look at that, the things, the opioid uh, epidemic taking place right now in Appalachia is like ridiculous, man. Look it up, man. Look it up. Appalachia, right? And just the opioid crisis in general. So, yeah, man, this is some something that we really have to get after, man, because what, they, what they're doing slowly is they're tearing our country apart while, you know, 
we're being diverted. Like I'm watching, I don't know if it's the view. I'm eating breakfast at a, a little coffee shop in my, in my area. And, uh, literally this morning, this is, uh, September 12th, 2019, man. It's a Thursday. So I'm eating breakfast and I hear them saying, Oh, we have Kim Kardashian coming up. First of all, who, who, who is she? I mean, what is she? You know what I mean? Kim Kardashian West, you know? And she's like, Oh, I have a new line out of, you know, uh, whatever that is, support girdles or whatever. And then the, the it's all females on, on the panel and they're like, oh yeah, you can wear this as underwear. Oh, you don't have to wear underwear. And they're getting all into all of this just just childishness, you know, that we really don't need to listen to this early in the morning. But what I see they're doing very subtly is they're engaging the listeners by uh, automatically bringing their mind to something that really has no relevance in real life. And that is, i.e., Kim Kardashian and whatever fucking clothing line she has, right? So, and it's constant. It's with the sports, how this guy's going to go to the team, but, you know, last week he tweeted this. Who cares? They're playing a kid's sport, dude. They're bouncing a rubber basketball or throwing a pigskin football. And, you know, you have a couple of beers and watch a game, a good competitive game. That's awesome. But guess what? It's time to get back to work and take care of your family. You know, this is all a diversion for us not to see really what's taking place. All right. And I'm going to repeat it again. This, this is socialist Marxist Leninist thinking that's taking place right now with AOC and such is the tip of the spear of the destruction of this country. And if you think I'm kidding, it basically works just like this. You know, people saying, oh, this is 2019 and we're so evolved and educated and everything like that. But guess what? And I did my last episode on The Shadow. Power, the love of power and money over people never grows old. And all it does is it gets ex exponentially worse because they learn lessons from the people that came before them and they refine the art of that. So this did, this. you're going to say to yourself as you listen to this, hey, you know what? That communism failed in Russia. Yeah, it failed for a couple of reasons, and, and Yuri actually mentions it because there's no feedback loop in communism. You know, they don't really understand how unhappy the people are and the capability of when people get together because whenever this ruling class is together, they're very few in number. It's a very small little club, and very few are allowed in it. But there's no feedback loop where they say, oh shit, we really fucked up, or something is really... They don't know because it's just... They're, they're just... What's the best word? You know, they're just listening to their own music. You know, they're just listening to themselves talk, saying, oh, I sound so great. And what happened in the Soviet Union was, you know, when Reagan said that whole, uh, you know, tear down that wall and all that stuff like that. As technology started progressing, communications and different things like that, again, before the internet, this is before the internet. This is circa, I don't know when, when that wall came down, but this is like late 80s. What ended up happening was that, um, hold on a second. What ended up happening was people in the Soviet Union, they, they had this thing for blue jeans. They wanted blue jeans. And supposedly like a pair of American blue jeans was worth, you know, $200 over there. So a person would work a month to have a pair of blue jeans, which would makes no sense to me. But I guess their, their desire for blue jeans was a desire for freedom. And that those blue jeans embodied freedom, you know, so it began to grow and grow in the population and they started talking. And let me say one thing, those Russians, man, there's some tough, tough people, man, 
really tough-minded um they have a beautiful culture man if you if you read you know alexander solzhenitsyn's you know the gulag archipelago and different things like that they really have a certain way of expressing themselves that's not candy s at all they have very very alpha culture man very very alpha culture the men are men and the women are women man they're strong you know so as as it goes on so there was a there was a desire for the blue jeans, which was really a desire for freedom. And the people just really, you know, I guess what ended up happening ultimately was they got fed up with it, and uh, they did that whole, you know, the fall of Russia, you know, the fall of the Soviet Union, where everybody banded together and they started communicating together and everything like that. And it took place pretty damn quick, pretty damn quick without the internet. So now imagine with the internet <clears throat> how this is really spreading. So again, one of the reasons why I really do this is tell you tell your friends to listen to my podcast, listen to other podcasts, give me a thumbs up. You know, I do have a YouTube channel. I'm going to try to build up a little bit more. You know, give me some feedback. Uh, shoot, shoot me some emails. Let's let's uh, yeah, man, let's get on this thing where we can integrate and get everything going. You know, um, <clears throat> it's really really important. And one as another side note, man, that Reddit is getting ridiculous, man. It's like it always has been, but it's. It purports itself to be really together and everything like that. There's a few cool things on there, but I guess I find myself the only thing that I'm really checking out on there are, are the dank memes. They got, they have some really, really. I give them credit on the memes. I read it, freaking rules with the memes, man. And I did, I put out a meme that I have on my Instagram if you want to check it out. But I'm gonna try to start getting into the memes. They're pretty cool because they give an expression that can't be put into words. You know, it's a synchronization of the image and the words. And it's crazy. So the plan, here's here's one of the things that I'm seeing happening right now, right? One of the reasons why you're listening to this interview in 1984 and people are saying, you know, this is 84, how come, you know, they didn't already take over the country and everything like that. And I was thinking about that, but they have a real plan in place right now because they have right now a plan of, a plan of conquest, right? The the first the first and foremost most powerful country on the planet right now, and by far the military machine on the planet is the United States of America, with Britain backing up and all that stuff. But those are just and I'm gonna just put it like in a nice way. It's like a supplementary force because it's a much smaller country and they're involved with that whole EU nightmare. <clears throat> but what's unique about America is that they can literally here we can print up our own money and go to literally out of out of out of a void out of nothingness they can print money and spend it on war you know so that being the case the reason why they haven't tried to make that attempt to drop us all into communism besides really us communicating on the internet and social media and, and being aware of it coming the reason is that they want to continue these wars of conquest. And what's like I said, what supports these wars is the dollar. So if they just flipped everything over into socialism, there would be no revenue generating because socialism means that you, you don't, you're not productive. People that live under socialist communist thing is they basically work the system and they do as little as possible. And they just try to avoid getting arrested, keeping their mouth shut and just nodding their head as they get fed little scraps of, uh, you know, spoiled food and just potatoes and shit. Because I was listening to some guy in Cuba, supposedly they ate meat once a week, a piece of chicken once a week that was basically spoiled. So in order to perpetuate 
they want to be able to really take over that whole Middle East region between the Nile River and the Euphrates River. They want to take over that whole region because it has a lot of oil and abundance and something to do with this, what's the name of it? The New Silk Road from China, where the Belt and Road Initiative, where they're, China's building up a lot of these third world countries and giving them infrastructure and development. But all of that, to some degree, is going to have to pass through that region and they want control of it. So the only thing that's going to give them the ability, when I say them, the ruling powers and the United States, because we are, you know, the force that does it, is that they want to be able to get conquest over that area and they need the dollar to do that. They need a strong dollar to do that. And once... I feel once that region is taken over, because energy runs the world, and without energy you can't get anything done. So if they're able to grasp that, they're going to have a large percentage of the world's reserve oil. And basically Europe is done for, for the most part, you know that. So where are the challenges coming from? Africa? Where, where's the challenge coming from? China? They really, they're in more debt than we are. And they're not really military oriently militarily oriented. They just want to kind of protect their own over there. There's some atrocities going on over there too. So they, they want to do this conquest. So that's why they haven't, uh, put, you know, put us out to pasture and, and, you know, drop this whole initiative on us, this whole one world socialist thing, because they, they need some more, a little bit more conquest. So if you ask yourself the question, Hey, you know, yeah, the Soviet union fell and all that. Yeah, it fell, but they want to they want to prop it back up over here now because, like I said, that's that's the way to put us all into enslavement and a one world government. And history does repeat itself, and greed, greed, hate, and just murder is something that is in the recesses of the most evil people on this planet. And as a result of them having those nefarious evil intents, those those are the ones that seem to grow and do better because to rot for themselves. They don't. It's not enough for them to have what they have. They want to take what everybody else has too. So I don't want to go on such a dark ramp, but it's, it, you know, I, I, just listening to this interview, man, it just was hitting all the points, you know? And again, if, you, if you're not getting this or whatever, and this is not your cup of tea, then this is not your episode. That's why a lot of put, I put a lot of different types of content out. I recommend you people go back. I'm up to episode 120. So look at the episodes that I have, because I do put out a lot of content on spirituality. I put out you know, podcasts on Hannibal and Carthage and, you know, Kenai, the Battle of Kenai in 216 BC. I mean, I get into a lot of different things for human growth. Understand that it's very, very important to get knowledge because knowledge is power. And once you have that knowledge, it cannot be taken away from you. One, two, when you have knowledge, for some reason, you surpass that whole paradigm of I'm depressed or I'm sad, or, oh, woe is me, or, you know, feel sorry for me, because what, because it's illuminating, and you're able to see it, and it becomes really a beautiful thing in that they don't have the wool over my eyes, and I see exactly what you're doing, and it's almost borderline entertaining, and puts you in a position where you need to succeed and become very protective of your family, concerned for your family, more compassionate for others. So I know I'm scattered all over the place here and I kind of apologize. I'm listening to myself and I'm like, damn, this guy's all over. But yeah, I'm going to repeat it again. Check out Dave Chappelle's special, Sticks and Stones. Masterful. Dave Chappelle outdid himself. He's the master. And by the way, he's the only guy that could have gotten away with that special the way he did. Now you're going to get the followers coming in behind him and, and I hope they do because he's bringing the right message. Okay. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I went on for a while over here. I'm into like, uh, it looks like 20, almost 24 minutes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to play two clips. The first clip is Yuri being interviewed by G. Edward Griffin. And then the second one is just something on um, socialism and, and uh, entitlement and all these different things that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, man, they all want to pit us against one another so we don't really see, you know, the, the butcher sharpening the blade and the chopping block being pulled out to, you know, to decapitate us all. And I'm, I'm really not kidding. So I want you to, uh, I want to thank you for listening. Continue to listen to this, uh, to these two clips. And uh, yeah, I'll put my clothes out on the other day and namaste. So check it out. Listen to these clips, man. Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the process which is legitimate, overt, and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears open up their eyes and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type uh, of, of thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my uh, opinion and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind, even if you... If you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. 
In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm -hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes, mm -hmm. uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They, 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 will, uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they, obviously they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can, you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled, because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically America is stuck with, with demoralization and unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, uh, what, what matters is essentials, economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that 
the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C., with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media, and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system However ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy, whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to. Unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay, so what do we do? What is your recommendation to the American people? Well, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state, big brother government. If people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development, nothing ever can help the United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to, to homosexuals, to uh, prison inmates, all this freedom will vanish, evaporating in five seconds, including your precious lives. Um, the second thing, I, the moment at least part of the United States population is convinced that the danger is real, they have to force their government. And I'm not talking about sending letters, signing petitions, and all this beautiful, noble activity. I'm talking about forcing United States government to stop aiding communism. Because there is no other problem more burning and, and urgent than to stop the Soviet military-industrial complex 
from destroying what is, whatever is left of the free world. And it is very easy to do. No credits, no technology, no money, no political or diplomatic recognition, and of course no such idiocy as grain deals to USSR. The Soviet people, 270 millions of, of Soviets, will be eternally thankful to you if you stop aiding a bunch of murderers who sit now in Kremlin and whom President Reagan respectfully calls government. They do not govern anything, least of all such complexity as the Soviet economy. So basic, two, two very simple, maybe two simplistic answers or solutions, but never, nevertheless they are the only solutions. Educate yourself, understand what's going on around you. You are not living at the time of peace. You are in a state of war. And you have precious little time to save yourself. Um, you don't have much time, especially if you are talking about young generation. There's not much time left for convulsions uh, to the beautiful uh, disco music. Very soon it will go, just, just overnight. If we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen, they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon. If they don't stop, if they cannot curb their unsettled desire for profit, and if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism, they are going to hang very soon. And it, they will pray to be killed, but unfortunately they will be sent to Alaska probably to manage industry of slaves. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant. But I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocy as, as microfilm, James Bond type, espionage. This is garbage. Uh, you don't need any espionage anymore. I have come to talk about survival. It's a question of survival of this system. And you may ask me, what is it in for me? Survival, obviously, because unlike, I, as I said, I am now in your boat. If, if we sing together, we'll sing beautifully together. There is no other place on this planet to defect to. My name is Victimhood. I was born of an illicit liaison between justice and need. When it came to victims, my father defended them, but my mother fabricated and glorified them. As a child, I found the louder I cried, the more attention I received. Attention was nice, but what I really wanted was power and I set out to find it. At first, I hunted tragedy. Tragedy that struck victims without warning. Some victims stayed with me, decayed with me, making tragedy the great central drama of their lives. Others left. I had competition the so-called virtues. Optimism, self-esteem, pride, and worst of all, gratitude. Those who followed them survived and thrived. Worse with the advance of capitalism, scientific and medical breakthroughs, mass production of the basic necessities of life, 
a rising standard of living for all, tragedy became all too rare. I needed a bigger market, a better plan. That's when I met collectivism, and he told me about great thinkers, like Karl Marx, who grouped people into classes, hitting one against the other. Exploiters and exploited, oppressors and oppressed, victors and victims. This gave me an idea. Turn grief into grievance. Find someone to resent, to blame, and to pay. I gave them each a card. This is your identity, your map, your IOU, which was really a they owe you. Cash it in for all kinds of benefits. Welfare, quotas, subsidies. Paid for by whom? Oh, the rich, of course. The happy, productive achievers. The men and women of, well, ability. The greater their ability, the greater their social justice obligation. The irony is, they fell for it. They gave me their sanction. But there was one person who did not agree. Her name was Ayn Rand. She fought back. She wrote books like The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, where men of ability refused to sacrifice themselves at my altar, pursuing their own happiness. Selfish, don't you think? And too much hard work. Instead, I offer a safe place, entitlement, and the power to silence anyone who disagrees. The great thing is there's more than one way to play the victim card. There are many grievances. Collect them all. You'll never be a victor, but you can always be a victim. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. 
I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast, so it's motivational and inspirational. I also have promotional t-shirts. If you go to my website, alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com, you can see the promotional t-shirts there. Reach out to me. Also, if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast, just reach out and see if I can get that done. I've been getting some really great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.